Well, hi everyone. Um, as you heard, my name is Phil, Phil Dunn. Uh, I'm from Balamoney. My home church is Balamoney Baptist Church. Anyone ever been in Balamoney before? Oh yeah, good, yeah. Okay, so it's not the center of the world, but um, yeah, that's where I come from. And yeah, I'm married. I've got three kids. Uh, Isaac, who is 17, Emily, who is 14, and Martha, who is 9. And I've been working for a missionary society called European Mission Fellowship, or EMF, for about eight years now. And what we try to do is we try to help pastors and ministers all over Europe. Because Europe is one of the greatest mission fields in our world today. And that might be a bit surprising for you because whenever we think about Places that need the gospel, we tend to think of places really far away. And oftentimes they've got to be really poor places and quite remote and distant. But actually, countries in Europe are incredibly needy. In fact, it's believed there are 700 million Europeans who don't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. So Europe not very far away. I'm sure loads of us have been there maybe to Spain or France or Italy on our holidays and yet Europe's not just a nice holiday destination. It's actually a huge mission field where people, boys and girls, young people, old people need to hear about Jesus. And that's what we do as a mission. We try to help people like Mihai all over Europe. So we're supporting about 90 missionaries in 17 different European countries. Uh, Lots of them are in very small churches, maybe quite isolated, maybe don't have a lot of fellowship with other Christians. And we try to come alongside and pray for them, give them financial help and all kinds of encouragement. So that's what we do. And I am really glad that I'm not here on my own today because I've been able to bring along one of our missionaries, Mihai Kisari, who has traveled all the way from not just Balamani, but from Moldova. Anyone been to Moldova before? No, it's not quite as easy to get to as Balamani, is it? So does anybody know anything about Moldova? Any random facts? Anybody know anything? Because I've got to be honest and say... Before I met Mihai, I didn't know anything about Moldova. In fact, I couldn't even have found it on the map. In fact, truth be told, I think I might still struggle to find it on the map. But tonight, Mihai is going to tell us about Moldova, where it is, kinds of people that are there, um, what some of the challenges are, about the church that he's involved in, and about some of the young people that he works with. And also about the situation in Ukraine. Because you'll all know, I'm sure, that there is a terrible war going on in Ukraine. And lots of people, lots of refugees have been leaving Ukraine and going to some of the surrounding countries. And one of those is the country of Moldova. Mihai's been helping lots of them. So, that's enough from me. I'm going to sit down now and let Mihai come and tell you all about his work. And there will be time to ask questions as well. Now, it may not be at the end of the meeting, but maybe whenever we're having a snack afterwards, if you've got any questions, store them up and come and ask me. Well, good evening. I'm uh, very privileged to be tonight here 
I'm glad to be uh, able to uh, share with you a little bit about uh, uh, Moldova and the gospel work that is happening there. Uh, it's my uh, first time uh, to travel uh, to these parts of the world. Uh, we've been uh, looking forward to this trip, uh, but due to COVID and some restrictions, it was uh, not easy. But finally, uh, by God's help, uh, uh, I'm here. So I would like to take you on a brief journey, uh, perhaps to uh, an unknown uh, until tonight, country to you. Uh, and uh, who knows, probably or maybe your next uh, or future sometimes uh, vacation destiny. Uh, if you will desi desire so. So my name is Mihai Kisar, as uh, Brother Phil mentioned. I'm married. Uh, my wife, Irina, and the, our two daughters are uh, here in the photos. You can see Delia and Elisa. Six years since uh, our family was formed. Delia is five. Uh, Elisa is two. So we're having lots of fun with the two little ones in the family. And uh, we uh, live in Moldova, both me and my wife, we were uh, born there. Um, she was uh, born in a family uh, who, during her childhood, came to Christ. I was born and raised in a family uh, of uh, Eastern Orthodox, which would be more uh, traditional and cultural, but there was no real faith or knowledge of, of the gospel. Uh, nobody was reading the Bible in my family, or praying at the table, or uh, remembering God, unless on a special holiday once or twice a year. And uh, that was pretty much the Christianity that I grew up with uh, until um, the age of 17. I'll share with you briefly a little bit about that more. So Moldova, it's a small country. It's located between Ukraine. You heard about Ukraine, about the situation uh, there with the war now. I will share a little bit more about that later. And Romania. Have you heard about Romania? Okay, so Moldova is right between Romania and Ukraine. Uh, the official language, the main language in, in uh, Moldova is also Romanian. But we have a vast population which speaks both Romanian and Russian. So as an example, my wife is communicating with me in Russian. I will answer and I will talk usually in Romanian. Our two daughters are kind of a between, bouncing between two languages. And that's uh, that's the case because Moldova was part of the uh, URSSR, uh, Soviet Union, for 70 years. And it uh, got its independence in uh, 1990. Um, so the 10 years at least, and even more after uh, the Moldova got its independence was were very difficult years because when Soviet Union felt the countries which were part of Soviet Union were tied by such uh, connections that after that the country was affected economically. Not only that, corruption was and is still a huge, a huge problem. Um, alcoholism was a problem of our and many are struggling still. Moldova was a leading country on the consumption of alcohol per capita for many years in a row. We're struggling with such issues as uh, as, uh, as divorce, a high rate of divorce, third place in the world. Um, sadly, uh, um, Moldova is one of the leading countries in terms of the human trafficking. Many are traveling abroad and many for uh, for are getting in in, in a very unpleasant problems. So there are there are struggles and there are some challenges that our country is going through. Uh, this is the national flag. And there are some beautiful sides that you would uh, you would uh, uh, um, um, pr probably enjoy to explore if 
one day we'll, we'll consider visiting. So the main religion in Moldova, as I was telling you, is the Eastern Orthodox. So here are some Eastern Orthodox priests in a, in a, in a church. Uh, there are lots of paintings, lots of icons. People, uh, the litur the liturgy will be very uh, much um, with wor um, praying for to the saints and uh, and to Mary. It's similar in a little sense with the Catholicism, but in the same time is is different. It's more mystical. So most of Moldovans, if you are Moldovan, it means you are Eastern Orthodox. If you grow up and you uh, join a different church, you will be despised by, by most people. You will be considered a, a betrayer of your family's faith. That was the situation with my with me when at the age of 17, God saved me. Many were despising. Many were, were, were asking, why have you done that? Why you have betrayed the, the faith of your family? Even though my family had no faith. My parents were not going to church. My grandparents were not going to church. Only when they were got married, only when there is a funeral, or only when uh, a baby would be baptized. That's the, the only situations. And every other day, uh, they will they will not think about uh, about God. So it's more of a cul cultural. Ninety six percent of Moldovans consider themselves Christians, but they don't know the gospel. They don't know. Who is Jesus Christ? Why he came on in on this world? Uh, why he died on a cross? Uh, they believe in a in a in, in a work salvation. Many of them consider themselves Christians, but they, uh, in the same time, will accept many other religions, and they will say there's only one God at the end of the day. So it's only a label with with no essence uh, in it. This is some of the traditional. Some of the traditional uh, uh, clothings that you uh, can uh, see on some holidays in the country. Uh, we have some very delicious foods. So if you would visit, you would, you would definitely enjoy those. So uh, one, one uh, fact uh, about Moldova. Moldova is known about its uh, uh, winery industry. So in Moldova is found the largest underground cellar. It's an entire city underground uh, where there are thousands of wine bottles and many presidents and prime ministers across the world. They come and they have their collections over there. It's a, a touristic attraction, many come and you will go and you will have miles underground by car traveling by different streets. And uh, Moldova is known uh, by many uh, about that. But we have the largest cellar, wine cellar in the world, and we have been struggling with uh, the excessive consumption of alcohol, sadly, and this has destroyed many, many families, sadly. So this is the country where I was born and raised, and uh, in God's providence, at the age of 17, I uh, I was saved. I am the first one in my extended family. I don't know of my any of my great grandparents of anyone uh, to <clears throat> to be a believer, but by God's grace, now it's uh, God saved me and. Uh, uh, he he brought to faith also my my sister. So we're praying also for for my mom and for others in, in our family. And since God saved me, he uh, he uh, set a, a passion in my heart for for ministry. Uh, up until up until uh, uh, that, I had some dreams and ideas. But when 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 I was saved, I I, I was really passionate about being in ministry. So when I came uh, to study in university. And uh, Kishinev, uh, during my studies, I studied pastoral theology. So during my studies, it was when uh, um, 
God gave me this desire and, and, and vision of planting a church one day in the capital city of Chisinau. Uh, so we are now in uh, Chisinau. Uh, this is the district where one part of the district in which we are ministering is called Chokana. There are about 200,000 people and less than 2,000 would be uh, evangelical believers, those who heard, know the gospel and believe the gospel. So it's less than 1%. So you can imagine and understand how, how large the need is. How many are those who uh, don't know uh, who is the God of the universe, who created everything, who came in this world and provided salvation. So we planted in 2018 Imago Dei Baptist Church. This is a, a fresh picture of our uh, small congregation. There are almost uh, um, 30 uh, church members. We have lots of kids. And in, in our church life, uh, uh, God has blessed with uh, multiple um, multiple uh, uh, privilege for, for, for sharing of the gospel. So we have uh, a lot of ministries in terms of discipleship when we work with those in the church uh, to grow more in the knowledge of Christ. Uh, but uh, also we have been very uh, much from the beginning looking forward to, to bring the gospel to, to those many who uh, no, don't know Christ. So um, this is one of the projects that we have and one of the ministries. It's called Menzon. I grew up without a father since the age of 11. And in this brief video, next that you would see, you will understand why this ministry was started, what, what is the background of it. Alexander was the first person who was baptized in our church after we started in 2018. And he is a member till now. And we, we rejoice to see him growing in his faith and in his uh, understanding and knowledge of, of the scripture. So uh, uh, Strong Foundation is the name of the organization, of the legal name for the organization. But we, but this ministry is, is under Imago, Imago Dei's uh, uh, co coverage. So this is a ministry which is dear to my heart because it's a multiplication of what one day, my pastor did in my life, and uh, uh, stories like Alexandru, there have been over 70 young men from different families, and we are continuing this ministry now. There is a young brother in our church involved in this, and we, we, we are honored to be able to touch their lives, but most important to tell them about, about Jesus Christ. So uh, some years after we started uh, the ministry with the young men, somebody told us, why not do something like this with the girls? So uh, when uh, a lady in our church showed interest and desire, we started a girls club. So there are about 17 girls studying the Bible. Most of these girls are not from Christian families. They're from the community in which our church is planned and the gospel is being preached to them. There are, there's also Crossroads a Youth Club each Thursday meeting in the facility which we are renting, a Narnia Teens Club. We're also doing uh, summer camps. VBS where, where we have about 80, 100 uh, kids and teenagers from the community coming and uh, at the end of a VBS usually we'll invite their parents and we'll preach the gospel to them and we have summer camps also. This is another brief video that will, will give you a glimpse into how our summer camps run. So this is the camp uh, that we have been able so far since the beginning of uh, the Ministry of Imago Day in Chokana to have it three times already. And each time we'd have uh, 60, 70 uh, teenagers from the community. 90% of them are not from uh, fam Christian families. 
and uh, it's been wonderful to see some of them coming again and again and some of them are joining the ministries during the week so when you remember uh, this uh, these pictures when you remember these ministries pray for them that uh, they will come to know Christ i would like to take a couple minutes now to tell you how our life as a church changed on february 24th it was early morning 5 a.m. when we with my wife sleeping in our apartment in kishinev heard a blast and we knew it's the war started. Uh, Maine in Kishinev could hear it because early morning there was no, not, not much cars driving yet. And then we got phone calls from Ukraine for some friends that they are, they are uh, trying to, to run and we, they would like us to meet at the border. I drove to the border. I had to spend 24 hours until my friend, the pastor in Odessa, could actually cross because so long, large were the traffic jams and so long were the lines of people waiting to escape for their lives. So after 24th, my life and our life changed completely. Uh, I became everything, a driver, uh, um, call center. Uh, I was driving and together with me, four other brothers, we rented four vans and we were constantly driving from Kishinev to the border two and a half hours to help Ukrainians get to Kishinev. And uh, our church turned into, these are some of the rooms in our church, the facility which we are renting, we don't have our own property, turned into a dormitory. We'll have sometimes up to 50, 60 people were sleeping on the floors and uh, we turned some of the rooms in, in warehouses where we were stocking food and products and we were always driving uh, to, to the border and meeting these people and helping them go farther. Some of them were going to Poland, some of them were going to Italy, some of them were going to Romania, to, to Spain or coming uh, to the UK. So uh, we were functioning there as a transition center, but then many of them settled actually. So what we started to do is for those who settled, but they have no jobs, no income, they came not from the most developed necessarily country in, uh, in the world. They were also in a survival mode living just as many Moldovans are from salary to salary. Uh, so we started helping them with food packages. So uh, since, uh, uh, since April of this year, Probably we estimated over 15,000 Ukrainians have passed through our, uh, through our church. Uh, every week, uh, we, since then, we hold evangelistic meetings where we preach the gospel. Thousands and thousands of Ukrainians, in spite of the tragedy that they come to, came from, were able to hear the gospel for the first time. This is how God can redeem sometimes a tragedy and, and a su suffering in someone's lives. And many, we had wonderful conversations with many about Christ, about the gospel. We have been passing Bibles, tracts, gospel tracts. And uh, even now we have people who are whom we are helping to live in some apartments, which uh, we are uh, renting for them. And every week we are still seeing Ukrainians coming. So our life uh, changed on, in, in February, it came back to more or less normal. We have lots of Ukrainians still in Kishinev, lots of Ukrainians in our church, and uh, we, we are uh, honored and privileged and glad to be able to, to minister to them, and most important, to preach the gospel. I never, ever in my life imagined that I will have the privilege to preach the gospel to thousands of unsaved people. 
But now since the war started, thousands of non-safe people were in our church and God provided this opportunity. Thank you for listening so carefully and attentive. Pray for Moldova. It's a country which bears the label Christian, but there is no content. There are many who are heading to suffering to hell and they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel preached. Pray that the gospel work will advance and that more healthy churches will be, will be planted and that the work of our church will be strengthened by God. Thank you so much for, uh, for uh, um, listening carefully. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in Moldova one day when you're picking your next vacation or perhaps considering to spend a vacation in a camp, helping out, in a VBS helping out. Tell your parents about this and know that you will be more, most, most welcome. I would like to invite Brother Phil now. He will, uh, uh, he will read from the scripture and I will, uh, I'll share uh, several thoughts from the scripture with you tonight and then we'll end. Okay, so we're going to read from Mark's gospel. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn there with me. If not, don't worry, I'll read it out for us. So Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And we're going to read from verse 34, just to the end of the chapter. So just a few verses. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I was growing up in a very dysfunctional family. Lots of alcoholism, lots of abuse. And I had many desires and dreams that one day my family would be different. And uh, when you see and heard everything that I shared with you, um, if you would tell me that I would have any part in everything I shared with you, Years ago, when I was the, your age, I would probably not believe you. Uh, I would probably smile or laugh at what you, what you were telling me. Um, and uh, everything that you witness is, has happened so just because one day God in His mercy, in His goodness, touched my heart and made me capable to hear His calling, His voice, follow me, and crushed the stone in my heart and gave me a new heart and I followed him by his grace. And everything that you witness and everything that you've seen, it's, it's, it's humbling for me. I'm, I'm, I'm rejoicing whenever I'm remembering how God has worked in these several years since we started the ministry of Imago Day in Kishinev. 
but I'm also humbled because this is the, uh, the the things that God is able to do, and only He is doing through 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 His Spirit. In these several verses, I would like to draw your attention to the greatest calling, the wisest investment, and the best reward. The greatest calling, the wisest investment, and the bre- the the best reward. When when I was a teenager, the two questions that I was struggling a lot was the my my quest for identity and value. You see, I grew up in a family where instead of uh, compliments of being told that uh, uh, um, I will have a, um, I have a bright future, that I'm such a good boy, that uh, I, I will hear different kind of words from my grandparents who were drinking alcohol, who had a certain lexicon and a certain vocabulary that they were using. So I was not very confident about, uh, about my future. I was not very confident about myself. I didn't really know who, if I will be any better than my father, who, with, who, about whom I don't have such bright memories. We, uh, with, with you now live in a world where people talk a lot about following, you know, so, uh, uh, with social uh, media, with uh, Instagram, there's a, bo- a lot of uh, uh, talking about following and, uh, some are very nervous if will their followers increase? Or will their new post be followed by by uh, uh, by uh, uh, many? So this is one of the um, the uh, questions that perhaps a teenager might 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 ask himself: Who should I follow? When I was looking at my father in childhood and seeing how he was behaving with my mom and how he was being violent to me, I knew that I don't want to be like him. But I had a challenge: I I didn't know any better. So I asked him: Whom should I follow? Like whom should I be? I don't want the kind of family that I had. I don't want to be like him. I suffered a lot because of him. But like whom should I be? And in the Instagram, as I, as I uh, told you, everyone is, is asking this question, whom should I follow? And uh, it's almost like it makes you feel the, that if you follow a certain uh, star or a certain important personality, it's almost like it makes you feel that you are a little bit, or you have a little bit of what that personality or star is or has. For example, if a young man will follow, you know, some some strong sportsman on Instagram, uh, it will make him feel almost like he's stronger physically, even though he must might struggle uh, uh, getting to a tent push-up, you know, when he is at the name barely briefing. Or uh, a young lady, you know, uh, following some very beautiful, you know, uh, from uh, from magazines, uh, uh, woman, you know, in my, in my think, how how can I be so beautiful like 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 this like this woman? And maybe try every means, but then still the pictures on social media doesn't gain that that following and so many likes as as of that star. And you see, in this social media world, we are following different people, or we are told to follow. You know, but being fed some false dreams, being told that, well, we will, we are almost like them, but we are, don't never be, become necessarily who they are. We think that we are stronger. We think that we are maybe smarter. We think that we are maybe more beautiful, but these are actually lies because at the end of the day, you realize you are not that strong as, as that, uh, uh, football player. You're not, you're not uh, as uh, beautiful as that movie star. So you, 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 you suffer inside yourself. So I think that before 
Mark Zuckerberg invented Instagram and, and Facebook and this entire industry of following online. A more important call to follow, a more meaningful one, happened thousands of years ago. When Christ in these verses told his disciples and those who are around him, follow me, follow me. And when he was calling to follow him, it was not from mean motives. It was not uh, uh, like the motives of some of the companies who are advertising their products on social media and asking you to, to follow them and then they gain money from it and they don't really care about your soul, about how you feel at nights. Christ is the one who, he, when he makes this calling to follow him, he is, follow, he is calling us, first of all, to follow him by he's the one who is changing our lives. And he is the one who, alone who can fulfill the longings of our heart like nobody else. Like nobody else. I don't know if you ever struggled. I had those moments, being a teenager, when I realized, wow, I have so many friends in internet but I don't have with whom to talk. I want to tell you, if you are a follower of Christ, you should never feel lonely. You should never feel lonely. But you see, Christ is calling us to much more than only be uh, Christians. He is calling us to follow Him in our Christian life with a full heart, with a complete commitment. So we are surrounded by so many uh, advertised, by so many movies, so many songs, you know. And even as Christians, our dreams and our desires, and when we look at our colleagues in school or at our friends, we might tend, you know, to still find the uh, their ideas, you know, more appealing. And we don't necessarily think about, for example, being a missionary or being a minister, you know, uh, or telling uh, sharing on Facebook or on Instagram that I want to live my life for the glory of God, so appealing as, for example, telling everyone I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to make a million before I turn 18 and then retire before the age of 25. Yeah, that's appealing. Many young people are talking about that. Yeah, but that's not not necessarily fulfilling. That's not necessarily what can bring us real joy and pure happiness that only Christ can give us. Christ is calling us to follow Him, and He is the only one who is able to give us, to help us to find our true sense of identity and value. Because our value and our worth is finding nothing less than in Christ. And it's not even so much about us. You see, before the age of 17, I was consumed about me, my future, my own life. When God saved me, I wanted to serve others. I wanted to live my life, but not for me alone only. And what you've seen, what you've witnessed, is the heart of a selfish man turned in radically toward other people, toward others who are dying in their sins, toward others who, who have greater needs than me, and this is the miracle where, what God is doing. You see, this is the wisest investment. Christ is saying, you know, let, who wants to come after me, he has to deny himself. Basically, Apostle Paul is, is saying this, and you, you know, Paul is saying, I die for myself, I don't leave me. It's, it, I, I was crucified with Christ. I want Christ to live through me. 
And Christ is telling us in these verses, Jesus Christ is telling us, what, what profit is for man? To gain everything, but to lose his soul. What profit is to gain everything, but to lose his soul? You can have millions following you on social media. You can have millions on your bank account. You can have more be the most influential position in society. But if you don't have Christ, you lose your soul. And at the end of the day, you know, after the war in Ukraine, after 24th of February, I realized one thing. That how big my house is, how new my car is, how most updated my gadget is, doesn't really matter. People over there in Ukraine were ready to give to the custom workers some of the men just so they can escape the war and be with their wives and kids and families, even their most expensive cars, just that they would be allowed to pass through. Now think about this. If people in such times like this don't care anymore how large their house is, how, how new is their car and they will just give it away in a second. If people are ready to do this to save their lives here on earth, when we talk about eternity, when we talk about people's soul, Christ is saying, what gain it is. So the wisest investment that Jesus Christ is teaching us here is to live our lives, not for ourselves, not for only for our own ideas and desires. It doesn't mean that you cannot be an entrepreneur. You can be an entrepreneur for God's glory. And thinking about how me, being an entrepreneur, can glorify God. Perhaps because I am able and God has given me the gifts to have a business, I can help the cause of the gospel to spread to the ends of the world. I can help even more churches, healthy churches to be started in countries like Moldova, like Ukraine, like other countries, like other missionaries in Europe where the field and the need is, 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 so, is, is, is so big. So the wisest investment is to lose your life for Christ. But you see, it's not losing, it's actually gaining. It's gaining the true life. It's gaining eternity. When we are following Christ, Christ is calling us to a radical commitment to count the cost. We can choose to live a comfortable Christianity, thinking only about our own life and our own relationship with Christ and our own uh, devotion, where we can be more than that. Think of Apostle Paul. This man was thinking about those in Spain, about those in Rome, about those in Ephesus, about those in Thessalonica. And because he was so consumed about this, churches were started. And because churches were started, missionaries were sent. And because missionaries were sent, the world was reached to the gospel. And because of this, you grew up in families who love Christ. Perhaps one day someone told me the gospel. I came to know him. Today I'm here and we are talking about these things. And when we think, well, I'm not as powerful, I'm not as eloquent as Apostle Paul, I'm not able maybe to to have a speech in front of a group, but believe when, when you entrust your life in God's hands, only God knows what he can do. I want to repeat you once again. If you would have told me years ago, when I was your age, that God will... One day, through, through, through me, start a church or do a ministry like this with young men. I would not believe you. 
I would not believe you. And when I'm looking back and seeing what God has done, I'm humbled. And I, and, and, and I, and I understand. My, my grandparents were telling me when I, when I became a Christian and I was, went to study theology, they were telling me, what are you doing? You'll not be able to make any income. What are you doing with your life? I want to tell you, a little bit more than 10 years have passed since God saved me. I don't regret any one of them. Do I regret that instead to go to study for a lawyer? I went and I studied theology and I'm in ministry now. Not for one second. Because it's not because being a lawyer is sinful and being a minister is something holy. No, God changed the vector of my life. He called me to ministry. If he is calling you to be a lawyer, be one, but for his glory. Ask yourself how me being a lawyer can can be a, a blessing in the, in the kingdom of God, in the work of the gospel across across the globe. And we have in this text the best reward. The best reward. You see, those who are ashamed of Christ, Christ is telling that he will be ashamed of them before the Father. I don't know if you, if you ever had those awkward situations when you went to an important event. And there, in this important event, there were several of those very important people. And it so happened that maybe days ago or weeks ago or months ago, with one of those important people, you had the chance to, to have a brief chat. And imagine that you are at that imp- very important event and that very important person does not notice you. How do you feel? Uh, he, he was a hypocrite when he talked to me back then. Or I, I'm so unimportant. Or on the other side, imagine that you are at that event and that very important person approaches you, greets you, welcomes you and say, I'm so glad that you came. Christ to those who are answering to his call to follow him. And not just anyhow, but to who are answering to his call to follow him wholeheartedly with a complete commitment. He gives the best promise of the best reward. One day, he will greet them in his kingdom. So, I want to challenge you tonight to think again about who you are following. And where are you thinking about investing your life? Whatever is the desire of your heart in terms of vocation or future career, I want to challenge you to think how my life can impact the work of the gospel across the globe. I can tell you that you can start by praying. Pray for the work of the gospel that is happening in Moldova. Pray for the work of the gospel that is happening in other countries in Europe. And pray, God, if it's your will, when I'm looking at myself, when I look at, at my relationships, when I look at my social media, I have no clue if I can be any, of any use in your kingdom. But I heard tonight that you can do more than what we imagine or think. And I pray that God will bless you and will use you in wonderful ways for the work of the gospel across the globe. May the Lord bless you.